0: Hi, my name is Dr. Andrew Hahn, and this is the eighth episode of Guided Self-Healing, Fearless Living. And this episode is called The Power of Pattern, and this is the third Power of Pattern. And today we're gonna talk about two patterns, a pattern called the Death Widge, and a pattern called the Wounded Pattern. So let's just remember what pattern is and why it's important. Patterns are universal themes. So they are themes like beliefs that you know aren't true or fear of feeling feelings or boundary issues, or they are universal themes that are sort of in myth like neglect or betrayal, which we're gonna talk about today, or uh, power, a power pattern, Or they're in the non-material realms, which are any stories that are extant in our world, like stories about ghosts or energies that take you over or curses. And then finally, there are stories of the ways we protect ourselves by choosing to limit ourselves as a way to make sure we never experience something worse. And these are universal kinds of stories. And we've been over the ones that affect one of our centers, the head, which is about beliefs, the heart, which is about feelings, and the belly, which is about boundaries. And we've started in on these universal themes that affect all of the centers and create many beliefs and that are beliefs that we know on a deeper level aren't true. Many fear of feeling our feelings and being a choice about expression and many boundary issues, which means we don't get to choose what goes in and what goes out. And in our first episode of this part of it, the, these universal themes, we talked about four themes briefly, splits and multiples, and then grudges and neglect. And now we're going to go on and we're going to talk about death wishes and wounded patterns. So we're going to start with death wishes, and I'm actually going to use only one story that, because sometimes you can put two patterns together, so I'm going to show you a story that will really uh, reveal about both of them. So a death wish is very simple. On the simplest level, it's a pattern where you experience as someone in your community, because I said before, I think we're made up of a, a large community of people and sort of like at our best, we're the container executive at our worst Or not the container or the executive but be that as it may we're made up a large community of people and some of them have experiences and those that community of course can be us at any age in this lifetime or it can be us from what we might call our genealogy which is our bloodline so we carry all of the stories of our bloodline plus you know stories of, of our race and our sex and our gender and our ethnicity, we carry all these stories, and then we carry what we're called karmic stories. And karmic stories, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, if you do believe in reincarnation and you believe that we, who we are is energy and the energy goes on so that our bodies are sort of like clothes and that the energy can manifest over and over and over again by slowing itself down a lot, um, then you could say, well, I believe in other lifetimes. Um, and then Uh, But if you don't, that's fine. Then you could call it undreamed dreams, or you could call it personal mythology, or you could call it just um, the imaginal or your imagination. So we're gonna find stories today about two things. The first a death wish, which is uh, the core experience because we always look for the core experience which inducts us is a part of me wants to die. That is the typical core experience of a death wish. And a part of me wants to die can mean a few things. It can mean literally something like, um, I wish I were dead, right? Because something so horrific happens. So some kind of loss or violence or catastrophe or uh, whatever, or, or a sense of shame, you know? So uh, it can be literally that. Um, It can be uh, something which is a deeper and more kind of insidious belief. Someone who loves me wants me dead. So that in order to have their love, I have to want to die. And that usually is about something that in our field we call projective identification, which means typically the way that that happens in more traditional psychology is, a parent will have some aspect of themselves that they can't handle. And so what they do is they project that onto their child and their child may have qualities of it, but they project it onto their child and then they want to kill it in their child and their child wanting their love has to want to die. And that of course is very insidious. Um, Or it can mean, which it almost always means if we're looking at another lifetime, when we say a part of me wants to die, what that really typically means is that they had some kind of horrific death or some kind of death that they couldn't handle. And it's the death scene itself, which they can't handle because it's either physically or emotionally or spiritually too painful. So they leave. And if you're a psychologist, you call that dissociation. If you're a more soul level psychologist, you might call it a lost soul part. They really, in some ways are the same thing. And it just means that You can't handle a situation so you literally kind of leave your body as a way of protecting yourself and of course you know we hear stories of this all the time when there's violence and someone says suddenly i was watching it from above and they were doing something to the body but they weren't doing something to me and that's the same idea and of course you can dissociate when you're going through something that will kill you in the story and if that happens and you're out of the body something really kind of interesting happens, which is um, you would have on some level known you had died, you would have at least thought you would die, but you wouldn't have experienced dying because you wouldn't have been in the body when the body died. It's sort of like you left the body and then sort of like you left your home, so to speak. And then when you came back, the home burned down. So there was no home to go back into. So you're kind of stuck. And that actually is the experience of people who have this experience. They experience that they're out of the body and then there's no body. And so, of course, they never get to experience dying. And so their experience then is I want to experience dying or what they would say is I want to die. And people live out death scenes in stories over and over and over again. So that is the standard situation if we're talking about a a death wish, what we call a death wish from a karmic life, is that you will play out the death scene and to some degree or other the final choices you made, the final thoughts you had, the final feelings you were having, all of those kinds of things. So that's a death wish. And death wishes come you know, in all kinds of varieties. I've just seen a few, which I'm thinking about because I've just seen a few of them, which were death and childbirth. And if you die in childbirth, um, of course you wouldn't know you died in childbirth, but it may show up in a lot of different ways. It may show up in horrific periods. It may show up because then you'd be bleeding out like you were really reliving the story or uh, it can play out in profound fears of pregnancy. It can play out in real issues around sexuality. I mean, you know, it can play out in terror that doesn't make sense. It can play out in not wanting to be open to new possibilities because it reminds you of of being open. It can mean not wanting to let things out of yourself because you associate that with death. The kinds of things that can come up in those stories are really remarkable. And I've seen a few of them over the past week and, um, you know, symptoms, when they're only about that, they go away. If it's, you know, uh, fear of, of if it's terrible periods, that can go away. Um, I've seen people who were having real trouble with pregnancy and suddenly they would become pregnant because they took care of the woman who died in childbirth. Of course, that's not the only reason people can not get pregnant. They can have medical reasons also. Or And I'm thinking about it now, I also saw a woman not so long ago who had what we call a process curse, which is just a little, we're taking a little side trip here, but she had been cursed in another lifetime, which was, and the curse was really quite horrific, which was not only did someone curse her by saying, uh, you will never get pregnant, but it was really horrendous because the curse, when I say it's process, it was not about a content, you won't get pregnant, but it was about a process, which is the harder you try to get pregnant, the more miserable you will be, and you still won't get pregnant. And that's what this person was living out until we found out that, of course, it was this particular kind of process curse and took care of the curse. But that, uh, as we say, is uh, just a content area, all right? So that's what a death wish is. And a wounded pattern came out of um, the work I was doing at the time on wounded healers. And of course, a wounded healer is someone who betrayed a trust. And um, so the core experience of a wounded pattern is, I betrayed a trust. And if you were a wounded healer or a wounded holy one, then it gets worse because um, then it's more like, I not only betrayed a trust, but I broke a covenant, like some kind of sacred covenant about my own spiritual development and the spiritual development of my community. Um, And that can create havoc in somebody's life. Um, because they will keep finding ways not to get ego gratification because they associate any kind of ego gratification depending on what the nature of the betrayal was, if the betrayal was around using people for material gain, then they will not be able to have abundance and they can do affirmations forever. But of course, the core experience of the trauma of betraying the trust and using people for material gains, or if it's for sexual gains, it will play out in all kinds of issues around sexuality. Or if it's for power, it will play out in all kinds of issues around power if the core issue is betrayal. So if you're using you know your spiritual powers to have power over people, then you'll have tremendous issues around that. The worst of those patterns is not just a wounded holy one, but something we call a holy one gone bad. And that's when it's there is a maliciousness to it. It's like um, you are using your powers very actively to create something heinous. Um, and if you hear stories, not just the people who use their spiritual gifts for power, but Uh, for murdering people or enslaving people or whatever those beings that on one level carry a very high vibration but on another level have not done what we call our lower chakra work they will fall very, very far. And um, they will have to make that up karmically because as they say, what goes around comes around. And that of course makes for a lot of difficulty. So let me tell you one story um, that puts together both uh, a part of me wants to die in another lifetime. It was a karmic life and this theme about betrayal. And in this case, it was not a a holy being that betrayed, but as you'll see, it was a leader of men who betrayed. And um, you'll see what happens. So uh, we had a woman who came to one of our demonstrations. I'm gonna put these two things together. It didn't exactly play out this way, but I wanted to use it, talk about it this way for demonstration purposes for us. So I'm changing the facts a little bit to make it work for what we're trying to explain here, Uh, but not much. I mean, not in any way that's of profound relevance for us, but I just wanted to say that um, because I'm trying to teach you something uh, in, a, in a contained period of time. So this woman came in and she had had a horrendous accident and uh, she told us that she'd only be able to sit for a few minutes and then she would have to stand up um, because if she sat for too long, she would be in excruciating pain. And uh, this had been going on for about seven years. And I will tell you about the nature of the accident later. But we found out through our diagnostic system that even though she had had this tremendous accident, Uh, The reason for this excruciating chronic back pain was not physical, it was energetic, which means that even this accident, which looked like her being a victim of fate, so to speak, wasn't just an accident on a personal level of course it was a horrendous accident and you have great sympathy for this woman because she really did have a bad accident but on a soul level it was trying to serve her to help her to remember where something crystallized around a traumatic death and around betrayal so We could find that out, and we could do an induction if we were using if if we took this where both of those things were there. And what we could say is that her chronic back pain equals a part of me wants to die, and I betrayed a trust. And when you have her do all three at once, what we find out is her back pain becomes excruciatingly worse. So here's how that looked. I asked her because we're doing this as a demonstration if she wanted to stand or sit, and she said, "Well, I really." prefer sitting, but I have to stand because if I do this for an hour, I will be, you know, extremely tired, you know, but I I can't sit because I would be in horrific pain. So she was doing the standing and we have her focus on her back pain and a part of me wants to die and I betrayed a trust, at which point her back pain, which because she was standing wasn't really bad, became excruciatingly worse. So she then, we tell her, what you're going to do is you're going to become back pain, you're gonna bring all your attention to back pain like you are, your new name is back pain from the inside out. And then of course, what we do is we always do is we say back pain. What did you come to share? Not only about something that was played out in this accident, but wanting to experience dying and betraying a trust. And then she says something to the effect of, "You know, I see myself, she'd never done this kind of work as far as I know, but she saw herself as the head of a large army in Rome. And she was as a man, she was a man in the story and she was, he was the head of the army and or this, this, this group of uh, soldiers and warriors. And there was this other army and she tells us the story which is that he in that lifetime and this other leader come out into the center and make an agreement that instead of having everybody fight each other and have a big bloodbath they will just fight each other. And whoever wins will get the loser's troops, loser's army as slaves. And so he goes back to his soldiers and says, "Uh, I've made this agreement, this is what's gonna happen. So they go and fight and they're out in the desert. And um, this leader is kind of nonchalant about the whole thing um, because he just thinks he's got it and doesn't have to you know is paying attention but really wasn't quite paying enough attention wasn't fully engaged wasn't fully present and as a result what happens is uh he gets tripped and knocked onto his uh back and as he's trying to stand up um he, uh, he what he what he says is this wave of sand comes because they're in the desert and it's very windy and the wave of sand comes and sort of blows him over and knocks him down onto his stomach and he sees this other general behind him and he sees him raising up his sword and his lost thoughts he doesn't know he had died his lost thought before he says like i can only imagine i must have died is um i betrayed thousands of men by my negligence and by my arrogance and by my, you know, not taking, not really being responsible, where I should have been really responsible. So <clears throat> we say, all right, you have two problems. The first one is you never really experienced dying, and the second is you believe you betrayed this trust. So what you're going to do is you are going to go And we're going to go to the moment where you die. And we're going to, this time, uh, you're going to call all the parts back because you can do that because now that you know what's happened, you know more than that, that part knows. So you're going to call all parts back into the body right before you die. And then we already have your final experiences. Then you're going to let yourself fully die. And then you're going to choose to go out of the body and you're gonna go out right through the crown of the head. And so he, as this leader, does that. And then what I say is, okay, you're gonna to go to the time in between lives. You're gonna find these men uh, because at some point or other they will all die and you can find their souls. Um, and what you're gonna do first is you're going to just say, I am so sorry um, and I really, uh did a terrible thing here by not paying attention, by not being responsible enough, and I should have been way more responsible, um, which was, of course, the final thought there. Um, and, you know, um, I'm just so sorry, and you're gonna tell me what it's like, and I'm just gonna listen to what it was like for you. Now, what I want you to know is often in those scenes, on a person-to-person level, Uh, the people you betrayed, because you can betray, of course, others. You can betray yourself. You can betray the divine, which is a different thing because the divine will never feel like it's betrayed. It will just say it was serving life. But if you betray others, they'll often say really, you know, they'll tell you what it was like for them. But instead, in this story, all of these men were laughing. And they said, we forgave you like 2000 years ago because we had to learn a lesson which is that you had trained us to be soldiers and we were trained to be soldiers and warriors. And we should have at least said, you know, we're here because this is our our identity. This is our role in life, you know, that this is our soul journey is to be soldiers. And we didn't speak up and we could have at least said something so, um, you know, and spoken up for ourselves. So we had to learn that. And then if you said no, then, of course, we would follow along, but we had to learn to do that. So at that point, this man gets this smile on his face and like feels like such a sense of relief and a weight off of his back. Although of course he was stabbed in the back or sorted in the back. And then we say, okay, you're done there. And now you can look up and uh, this person then sees light and goes, goes to the light and is just Done, is like saying, I am the light and I'm done. And they were done and all their back pain went away for a short period of time, at least, because when that happens and it's just energetic, of course, the back pain is no longer necessary. So it just dissolves. It just goes back into its pure form, which is energy. Well, the woman says, I don't think that's gonna keep happening, but I really would like to sit down for a little while cause I'm tired, cause this took about 40 minutes. And so she sits down. And we all start talking. And she talks about what it was like for her because she had never done anything like this. And other people did that too. And she starts telling us the story of the accident. And the story of the accident was she was with a bunch of mothers and they had trained their kids to swim and they were out in the ocean. There was no lifeguard and the mothers were taking turns watching the kids. And um, it's her turn, but she's not really paying enough attention And then she looks up and it looks like, you know, one of the kids particularly is like in trouble. So she races out to try to save the kid and gets knocked over by a big wave and smashes her back on a very sharp rock. And all the kids get themselves out, right? And she gets dragged out and gets rushed to the hospital. And they say it looks like a horrific car accident and they... Work on her back. I think they did surgery in her back, but I don't remember because it was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, that was seven years earlier, and she still has the back pain. And she's telling us the story, and she gets done, and then she realizes she's been sitting for an hour with no back pain, which for her was truly a miracle. I'm not saying all back pain is like that. And she says it's a miracle. And, you know, you can see that this thing that looks like fate and an accident on one level of course is, but on another level, it is our unconscious soul bringing to us what we needed exactly in order to heal and grow. Except, you know, it's the only way life can give us a clue is to show show us a dream or like all of life is a dream. It's all a trance and we think, you know, free will or just it's an accident. But no, on one other level, it's not that at all. It's ourselves attracting to ourselves the best thing we can attract in order to heal what we've not been able to handle on some level, what hasn't been able to be handled. And then of course, to evolve. So you can see how the template works, you know, instead of a group of warriors, we have a group of swimmers. They've both been trained, they're both doing their thing and they're both out there. And he, in both cases, it's not exact replicas because It's 2000 years, it's never exactly the same in my experience or almost never exactly the same. But you know, he's not paying enough attention. He sees what's happening to the soldiers in this case, which are of course the troops, you know, in the original story and the swimmers in this story, races out to try to save them um, and is not particularly paying attention to what's going on, gets knocked over by a wave, which is exactly how the woman, as this man described the sand in the story and gets knocked over and this case hits her back on something that felt like a sword as opposed to being killed by a sword and um, feels like she's betrayed a trust in the first case as this man by uh, not protecting the soldiers and in the second case as this woman by not really saving and protecting the kids. So you can see how it's an exact enough replica energetically of exactly what happened 2000 years earlier in her story, however you wanna understand that. And uh, then she says, you know, it's really interesting because I've been over-responsible my whole life, but I also like, you know, sometimes don't pay enough attention. And like, you know, I feel like, um, of course she had the chronic back pain and she begins to say like the, th- the themes in the story, really the themes in the story for 2000 years ago, I'm now realizing I've been playing out forever. But of course we're playing them out forever because we're trying to heal them. And so of course, when she comes in for one more session, three weeks later, she says like, my back pain hasn't come back. And not only that, but I feel like I'm more present and I'm less feeling like this profound sense of guilt and over responsibility. And I can let people, you know, do their thing, but really be there for them. So it's amazing how this stuff works. Anyway, having said that, this is a brief, 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 journey around uh, you know, what we call death wishes and wounded patterns. And uh, what I would say is if you wanna do the work and uh, you have a sense because with death wishes you often have a visceral sense, even if it doesn't make any rational sense to you that a part of you wants to die. If it's there and you feel it in the body and you have a part that says, I wanna die, you'll have a resonance and you'll feel it in the body. Or if you say, I, I betrayed a trust or broke a sacred covenant or whatever, And then you can do your own work around this stuff because even if you don't know some of the practices we associate with them, which is in this case, what we call a Buddhist poa practice, that's the going through the crown of the head or any forgiveness practices, just becoming aware will start to transform things for you. And if you do that, um, your life will get freer, which is the point of the whole thing. So until we meet again next time, at which point we will go through more patterns, I wish you well. And again, if you want to reach us, uh, lifecenteredtherapy.com. And if you want to write me, which I always so appreciate you know, people writing me uh, about anything that touched you or anything you experienced or any uh, ah ahas or any like thinking something's wrong or any questions, all you have to do to get me as Andy Hahn is write me at A-H-A-H-N. So it's A-H-A-N at lifecenteredtherapy.com. And until next week, I wish you a good week or a good whatever if you're listening on a podcast. And goodbye.